Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to God is Gray, the podcast. Although I, as a Christian, believe that God resides in absolute truth, in black and white, we as people are stuck here on planet Earth contending with the gray. In church, gray areas often cause dissension, anger, and even hate. But on this platform, I welcome open dialogue, variety of opinion, and differing belief systems. God is Gray is meant to teach, inform, and simply trade stories with kindness, love, and mutual respect. If you have a story or perspective to share, please reach me, Brenda Marie Davies, at GodIsGrayXO at gmail.com. To support the cause and be a part of our community, donate to patreon.com slash gray. Now, on to the episode. Hi, beautiful people. Today we have a guest named Cheryl Fagan. She is a sexologist and founder of On Top with an academic background in psychology and sexual and reproductive health. In 2018, Cheryl published On Top, Your Personal Study Guide to Holistic Sexuality, which was an educational guide for teenagers and community groups. On Top is also an e-learning platform that provides sexuality education resources with the goal of empowering people in all stages of life and love. From online courses to engaging videos, On Top aims to normalize conversations about sex and gives you accessible tools focused on sexual health and well-being. We'll see how this conversation goes, but uh, off the top, Cheryl and I were discussing pain during intercourse, which is something that I definitely believe is under-addressed. I've never had a conversation about it, even with my friends in an intimate setting. Um, I know I've had that experience and it's shifted for me since childbirth, actually. So I'm really curious to talk about why that might be and kind of get some insight into that. Cheryl, you're in Australia, yes? Yes. <laughs> I've got a great, huge Australian audience for some reason. I, I feel like it's because there's a lot of colonized Christianity over there and mm -hmm. purity culture. You you all seem to have mm -hmm. the same issues in Australia that we have in America. <laughs> yes, it's quite similar. And even the school system is quite the same. Um, either, I mean, not necessarily like absence-based or maybe it just didn't exist or it was very much um, still like fear and shame-based. Like, Don't get pregnant, use a condom. Um, and a PE teacher maybe would have done like one lesson. Um, it's not standardized in any way. Yeah. It's so crazy now only in my adulthood and all of the wokeness we're experiencing as mm -hmm. a culture, realizing how under cared for we were in this element of life that is crucial. It's one of the most foundational important things. And the same thing in my school, they just passed it off to like our gym teacher and we yeah. had two and and they were both really awkward and one was 
the hot guy teacher at school and he was doing in this really presentational like hey kind of way and the other woman was just like really afraid I'm like how did these people get stuck with this job that they clearly hate and are not equipped for it's so crazy also I had sex ed senior year of high school and there was I think three girls pregnant in my um class at that time so I was like you caught us a little late (laughs) yeah a little bit late yeah Yeah. what was your um upbringing with sex ed in a formal way with school so with school I had it in year seven or in seventh grade um and yeah I all I can remember from it is like graphic images of um STIs and probably a condom demonstration, how to use a condom. And that was it. And it was just one day. Wow. Um, But yeah, I went to school with, I mean, there there was like always a pregnant girl at high school, you know, and there wasn't, I can't remember anything from years like nine to 12, any formal sex education. Um, Yeah. And I grew up in California. So I definitely didn't have like an abstinence only approach to sex ed. It just kind of wasn't there. I guess it was like a silent conversation. Um, Yeah. And then I started going to church when my parents were like, when I was like nine years old. Um, So then going on and off to youth, I I guess I also got sex ed there too, which was full of so much shame. Um, But yeah, I guess formal education was just that one time in year seven. (laughs) yeah yeah it's wild to me I always hear churches and pastors say you know we we at church are always afraid to speak about sex we never talk about it and my rebuttal is you guys talk about sex constantly you just talk around it about it and you don't actually educate on it so that's what we're here for that's what you're here for (laughs) yeah so let's get into pain this is for women I would say from my own personal experience, just recently, I've been tripping and realizing, oh my gosh, sex doesn't hurt the way that I'm just used to it hurting. And it wouldn't hurt like um, a stinging pain or anything like that. It was just more like the angles a bit off or give me like a tummy ache or something, kind of like a really dull sort of pain. Um, And then I... I finally realized after having a child, I was like, oh, I didn't even, it's kind of like when you feel nauseous and it takes a while for you to realize it disappeared. (laughs) I feel like it's like taking me like months and months to all of a sudden be like, oh wait, I don't have that pain anymore. So many people write into me. Like when I first started talking about sex on the internet, it was mostly aimed at teenagers. But then I started getting a lot of messages and questions from people working with young people. And then a lot of young adults who were having painful sex. Like this is like the most common question I get. Mm, wow. And um, so from that, I decided to create a course on pelvic wellness, pelvic health. And so I've um, contracted and like, I'm working with a pelvic physiotherapist. I think in the States we call them, um, what are you, a physical trainer? I have no idea. Or do you know what physiotherapist <laughs> is? Like when I say that to Americans, like what's a physiotherapist? But I think it's like a... Um, physical trainer. Yeah. So pelvic um, physio. And it's incredible how 
um, yeah, like the, the pelvic floor and how much that contributes and to our sexual function and sexual pleasure. And I mean, it's so common and normal that like females have sexual, women have um, sexual pain at some point. Like you shouldn't, sex shouldn't be painful, but most people will experience it in some way. So it could be to do with the muscles or it could be to do with the skin problem. It's psychological, it's physiological. And that's why like a pelvic physio is so important, um, usually alongside therapy, like sex therapy. Um, yeah, to figure out what the problem is and, you know, to treat it. Um, but yeah, like, like I was sharing with you, I think like I, I have people writing into me who, you know, have been trying to have sex for three years, two years, five years and cannot have sex or have only, or penetrative sex Aww. or have only had it a couple of times. And so many of these girls, you know, like waited or did the right thing, or even they were having sex and then they decided to wait stop having sex, got married, and cannot have sex with their husband. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, that is one of the results of having, you know, bad sex ed or like a silent sex ed or shameful messages in church is, you know, we don't like, there isn't, I guess people aren't allowed to be sexually curious and to explore their bodies and their pleasure. Um, you know, like you said, hearing, you know, that God cries when you masturbate, you know, yeah. so much shame there would be in touching yourself. And, you know, we hit puberty from like the age of 12 or 13. Like we have these sexual feelings for so long and we're just supposed to turn them off. And so I, you know, that's what our mind is doing. We're training ourselves to turn them off, turn them off, turn them off. Cause you know, we don't want to displease God or our parents or, you know, be a bad Christian. And then you get to a place where you are ready to have sex where you want to have it and it's too painful like you're physiologically your body is tightening up and and then you have like you know magazines and different things telling you to do kegel exercises which is like the exact opposite in that situation because your muscles are tightening up and you need them to relax uh-huh okay yeah let's get into some of the real details with this because I'm really fascinated. Like I said, I, I've never even heard a conversation properly addressing this. So I appreciate it. So the first thing that comes up for me is just from my own personal experience, trying to figure out why for over a decade, I've just been tolerant, mm -hmm. completely resigned of like, oh, well, sex kind of hurts me every single time I do it. But like, the pleasure outweighs the pain. So, and I guess that's normal. I have never, ever talked to girlfriends about it to be like, does anyone else experience this? It's like, we talk a lot about experiences or specific people we've been with or our relationships, yeah. but I have never once been like, raise your hand if you're ever in pain. I, I have no idea. So why do you think we're willing to be so tolerant of this? I think if we look at like the ecosystem of our sexual attitudes and beliefs um, or our sexual well-being, you know, it's influenced by, um, you know, laws and policies and education system and our health system, economics, all of these different things shape 
who we are as like sexual beings and our attitudes and beliefs. And if you are like in a Western culture, I think so many of the ways that sex is talked about is, um, you know, it's like male dominated. Um, we hear, you know, and yeah, so like be free, have, like do whatever you want, like this like liberated, um, yeah, I think, you know, being sexually liberated is actually a little bit confusing and can cause some frustrations for people because they don't feel like there's, if some, they feel like something's wrong with them, they don't feel like they can actually say, hey, like something isn't right because, you yeah. know, we're meant to be like these empowered, sexually free people. And so there can be also shame when you're confused or you don't know something about sex. You kind of feel like you're meant to have all of the answers. And it's like even finding conversations about female pleasure is like hard to find, hard to come around. So talking about like pain, I mean, why is that even important? Why is, why, who cares, right? Like, I mean, we didn't even know like the whole shape of the clitoris until like the last decade. Like female sexuality is just like under-researched. And um, yeah, so I think when it comes to pain, there's like a lot of shame and, or, but I mean, like you're even saying, I think there's some people who it might not even feel like that there's shame and that's why they don't want to share. It's just like, this is some, this is part of it. This is how it is. Um, I remember Elaine in Gilmore Girls. I don't know if you watched Gilmore <laughs> Girls. And she, when she started having sex and she got married, they had sex one time and she was like, it's all a lie. Everyone's making this up. Like you guys all pretend like you love sex, but it is the worst thing I've ever done. This is a hoax. Like, and I honestly think that's like so many people's experience. And yeah, I think if we don't have like spaces to talk about sexuality in a healthy way or like what brings us pleasure, then talking about what like painful sex I think is going to be a lot harder to come around but I think like spaces like that you've created um you know will open these the doors for these conversations to happen and I haven't like I, I put a message out on um Instagram and I asked a question about like if you experience pain with intercourse like how is it affecting you and oh my gosh, all of these responses, because it makes people feel like they're not good enough, that their partner's not going to want them, that they're annoying, they're a hassle, they're a burden. It, oh. it impacts them spiritually. They feel like, well, I, I thought I did all of these things right. Why isn't God, like, where is God in all of this? Um, it's embarrassing. And yeah, and, and then I, I have a friend who's a nurse, and she, um, she has GPPD, which used to be known as vaginismus. Okay. And it's now gen genital pelvic pain, penetrative pain disorder. And that is the tightening of uh, the muscles, the vaginal muscles. And she is a nurse and she went to two GPs, a gynecologist, and still had no answers as to why she, she was not able to have penetrative sex. And it was so painful. And then finally, a, um, an OBGYN suggested that she go to a pelvic physio. And within seconds, like her being down there, she was like, okay, I think there's something with your skin, but then also your muscles are tightening up. So um, she's giving her exercises to do. And it's been like a year. Um, I have also had, I know people who they realize it's an issue when they can't insert tampons. Yeah. But, you know, 
I, I was just telling a friend about this course, how I'm working on it, the things I'm learning. And they were like, oh, like I, I can't use tampons. Is that not normal? If you want to be able to use a tampon, you should be able to use a tampon. Right. And there's things that you can do, but, and she's, she's in her mid twenties. So she's been like, she's had her period for over 10 years and she just never thought that something was up. That's crazy. I, well, it's not crazy. It's normal. As you're saying, you're reminding me though, when I was actually, I believe, 15 or so I was so I was already quote saving myself for marriage and I went to the gynecologist because I couldn't put a tampon in and I had um I forget what it was called but they gave me a hymenectomy or something and it was that my hymen was so tight that it was impenetrable and they were like when you're ready to have sex no one's gonna be able to get in there you're going to have to ask your partner to rip you open with their hand and like give you a couple of days to heal and then you could have penetrative sex with them or we can give you wow. anesthesia we'll break it for you and I was like B <laughs> but um but it's wild I'm, not, I'm gonna make my mom sound awful she's not at all she's amazing but the same thing of this like repressive like mothers not talking to daughters generation after generation mm -hmm. me not talking to my friends even though we're all so emancipated like I think my mom at one point was like yeah I had the same thing and I was like gosh it's so crazy that you know now thank god like with all the awareness that we have if i had a daughter i would be like hey this is a problem you might face because i faced it but we're not having those conversations yeah. and i definitely i remember just like being in a bathroom stall trying to put one in and my friend was like you're putting it in the wrong hole if you can't get it in i'm like i'm not putting it in my butt i don't i can't put it in there <laughs> And, but like no one had any idea, but it's also so devastating to hear you talking about a nurse going to a gynecologist. Like I've heard that story as well of gynecologists, like throwing up their hands and being like, we don't know how to help you. Could you clarify? So I'll ask like my first question, knowing so little about this is, is this lubricant not help vaginismus? You actually need to do much more work around it or can lubricant be a solvent for some people? Um, with vaginismus, no, you, it's more than lube. Wow. And I, okay. And I, I that must be so frustrating for people that, that are being yeah. told. And I'm thinking too about WAP. Like I just did a video on WAP. I <laughs> love Cardi very much. And I was like, oh gosh, this is going to be a whole nother level of shame though, for the girls out there that have never had a WAP and, you know, need yes. help having one. So it's like, I saw someone being like, we got to be advocates for uh, DAPs too, because we're out here as well. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But, um, okay, so for a person that doesn't have vaginismus, lubricant would be helpful. But with vaginismus, when you say it's a skin thing, what does that imply? There can be like an inflammation or an infection on the skin, but vaginismus GPPD is the tightening of the muscles. So with that person, the um, the pelvic physio also noticed something with her skin, um, which was irritated. So there were two things basically to treat. There, there are like breathing exercises, and then there are also um, what are they called? 
dilators with different sizes and they have you do exercises to work your way up mm -hmm. um, and they get bigger and bigger and bigger. It's like an exercise, um, like stretching your muscles. You can get healing from it. It doesn't have to stay that way. Another thing that, you know, like the messages that we get from society that like the goal with sex is penetrative sex, but sex is so much more than that. Um, you know, so I, I think like broadening your definition and your experience of sex can also help. Yeah. I had a great conversation with uh, Joan Price. She is a senior sex educator and she was the first person to really introduce me to the buffet of sex and how it's not mm -hmm. just this penetrative experience, especially with people of different sexual orientations. They may already know, of course, it's not exactly exclusively this, but um she also was way more open and educated about when someone's in pain or their body won't move in a certain way. We also have mm -hmm. educators now talking about people with disabilities and how they have to mm -hmm. experience pleasure through different means that are not the traditional you know, way that we know of sex. So I also wanted to quickly say as well that you mentioning um, go to your doctor, I would also piggyback and then don't get discouraged if your doctor or even your gynecologist is like, I have no idea what the hell you're talking about. Yes. Because I could, I mean, that's happened to people that I know. And like you said, your nurse friend that was happening to her. So if, if someone doesn't know, don't take that as a no, you pivot and you keep on looking for someone yes, to help you. you. Keep going. Yeah. I, yeah. I think of the lack of like resignation, like nobody should say, okay, I'm going to give up on pleasure. I mean, unless you truly don't desire it, but that's, I know it, sex is complicated because it's like, no, we don't want to pressure anyone into feeling like they have to seek out pleasure because a lot of times it's like, it is that pressure and that guilt and that shame of not being able to come through for your partner. Are you also saying that vaginismus is really um a mind game or is it actually you can be born with more like constricted muscles because i know girls coming out of purity culture um will describe having vaginismus because they still feel guilt and shame or that they'll have one painful sexual experience and then associate it with it so much pain that they're afraid to do it again um or they're guilting themselves and making themselves do it because that's the other terrible narrative like being so aware of a female pain now and and recalling all the messages that we've had of submit to your husband be sexually available the fact that women were given that message and their husbands weren't even taught what a clitoris was is is the most mind-blowing short-sighted thing ever i'm like don't you male pastors know if you were focusing on female pleasure your male congregants would be a hell of a lot happier too you know yeah i'm sure it makes yeah. the men feel really inadequate as well even though it ultimately yeah. will have nothing yes. to do with them definitely sex is this like beautiful, enriching, nourishing, liberating experience. So that's what it can be. And so if you're just doing it because you think this is your right, like that sucks. Like, don't you want to, don't you want it to be a pleasurable experience for both of you? Um, which if we look at the themes throughout scripture, we do see that, you know, like sex is meant for, you know, for procreation, but it's for unity and it's for pleasure. Like we see those themes even biblically. So if they're basing this off of you know, the Bible, then, you know, they need to read more. But 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but I would also yeah. say for myself, I can totally relate to just feeling like you don't want to be a pain in the ass. Like if you're, if I'm in a certain position, I'm like, Oh, that's the one that hurts. I'll try to like readjust my body. But then ultimately I would just kind of like grin and bear it because like I said, I could like try to supersede that focus on the pleasure instead. Yes. Um, I do want to research and figure out why pregnancy would have changed that. That makes me feel really curious. Mm. What about the flip side when the pelvic floor is injured or damaged or weakened in some way and you do have to do Kegels? Like, how do you tell the difference between both of these experiences? So in the course that we're creating, we do have one section on different exercises um, and to know where you kind of fall, where you fit in. I think a lot of this just comes down to us, again, just not being complacent with our sexuality. And that's not to shame anybody that has been rolling with the punches <laughs> for a really long time. It's like, okay, you may be experiencing sexual pain or you may be peeing when you cough or anything in between. Mm -hmm. And... Um, you know, just recognizing that there's a lot of different elements that go into it. Maybe you also need to watch a couple movies that loosen up your sensibility of female pleasure or what it might be like to actually embrace different elements of yourself. Maybe it means putting on a sexy outfit that modesty culture would never have allowed you to do and go out yes. to dinner with your partner and just feel really sexy and start getting acclimated to that. Maybe it's about looking into healthcare and where, how they've treated us as women. I think it would be yeah. incredible if it was standard, that if you're experiencing yeah. these different things, it came second nature. Like you have a cold, you're going to your doctor. You yeah. have pelvic floor issues, you have pain in sex, you're going to the pelvic floor specialist. And it's just, it is what we do. I would love to normalize yeah. a culture where that is real. I was also thinking, maybe as a button to all of this, the insecurity that we also feel. I brought up WAP earlier. So now we have this very mainstream video about women getting so wet that it's fall, like coming out of the doorway of a mansion. So that is something that I'm personally glad is normalized. I've gotten letters from girls who, you know, orgasm and do get extraordinarily wet, do sport, mm -hmm. for example. And then, um, you know, the reverse can happen as well. So I'm glad we're demystifying that, yes, <laughs> a woman's body can perform in that way. But then you also don't want to shame people. I feel like obviously for men, it's like, can I get hard or not? But for women, I feel like this sex positivity obviously is such a great thing. But at the same time, I don't want it to compound anyone's insecurities. So great. Now we know women can get this wet, but also we need to talk about how dry you can be or you can be super tight or not. Like, what do you do about someone's insecurities when it comes to the images that they're seeing now in a more sex positive light. I, I feel like mm -hmm. also there's so much focus on you need to be tight. Every girl on Instagram is baking cookies and talking about Kegels. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm glad you're normalizing Kegels, but also now I feel really insecure. Am I tight enough? Like this become a new insecurity for me. And I'm sure yeah. I'm not alone on that. Yeah. Um, definitely hear what you're saying. And it, it's like so much of the 
the messages that women get around sex is even with WAP, it's still like performative. Like our sexual desires and pleasure is performative. It's like, how good do I look doing it? Is this what they want? But it's like, but what do you want? What's important to understand is like sexuality and your sexual experience is going to change throughout different stages, um, different things that you go through, different experiences you have, and like be kind to yourself. And I think always like stay curious about your sexuality. Like how did your parents talk about it? How was it? How did you see it portrayed in the media? How does it make you feel listening to walk? Reflect on these different messages that we receive. Um, it's not about like turning turning things off or closing down conversations because you don't understand or whatever. But I think, yeah, being reflective, asking yourself questions. Yeah. Yeah, which is really difficult to do when you have shame. That's why I want to keep dispelling and killing purity culture because purity culture stagnates you in that place. You're not allowed to say, am I experiencing pleasure? Like, if you're already a bad girl and you don't deserve good things, then of yes. course you're not going to be seeking out the problem. I really want to empower everyone to understand that if something doesn't resonate with you truly and deeply, that it's wrong. I really want to encourage everyone to make peace with themselves. And when you get an answer, you have the answer. You know, if you are praying your little heart out and you feel complete and utter peace, about moving in with your boyfriend who treats you like gold, that has a beautiful, edifying, wonderful relationship with you, and you in that place feel like, okay, yes, this is right for me. This is good. This is a blessed, good relationship. Yeah. Then decide. You're rejecting fear. You're rejecting shame. And just like move forth with confidence with that. Yeah. I find that when I freed myself to actually be like, you know what? I really don't have a problem with being not married, having a child and living with someone. Mm -hmm. I feel no shame about that. I do not believe that God is mad at me in any way, shape or form. No. So you stop engaging in that thought behavior and that thought pattern of, am I bad? Am I sure this is right? It's like, no, mm -hmm. get your answer, wash your hands, keep moving, yeah. and then allow yourself to grow. Then you can ask yourself yes. these bigger questions about your health and your sexual health. And people can be married and have sex that is not honoring. Like people expecting their wives to have sex with them is not honoring that person. Um, mm -hmm you don't have a right to anybody else's body. And all of this is really just about a personal autonomous decision. That's where I want people to make their choices from. I was definitely a very feelings-based person when I started mm -hmm. trying to align my sexuality and spirituality. For example, are LGBTQ people going to hell? I just intuited that that was a hell no and absolutely not. And we don't have to worry about it. It's not a sin. But I could only be like, oh, I feel this way. And I knew that people wouldn't respect my feelings. So right. there is actually a path to intellectualizing and biblically backing up what we're saying. And yes. Tina's book does an excellent job of that because she breaks down the history. She breaks down the Bible verses that we've been clobbered with. And when you really have a sense of how we've been duped into different beliefs about the context in which we're supposed to have sex and how thick our spaghetti strap needs mm -hmm. to be. 
And then you really dig down deep and look at these verses and look where where these messages came from, you will see that they are just simply not biblically based. It's more Bible based to say we are creating a sexual ethic that is healthy, that is full of integrity, that is enthusiastic consent. Yes. And, and that means enthusiastic consent within yourself too. Don't do things that you just believe in your own self are dishonoring to your body. Do you have any closing thoughts? I know you have a wonderful course that you've put together and you have those amazing playing cards as well. Oh yeah, so these are the cards. Closeness. On top, closeness for yes. anyone that's not watching and, the video. They're like conversation for, starters. Yes, it's 55 questions. And so many people are like, oh, I'm getting these for my teenage sister. Like, oh, I told my parents to get these. I definitely want to create some that are for friends, but these are definitely for people who are having sex with each other. Okay. Um, so questions about, you know, do we have to orgasm every time we have sex? When are you in the mood for sex? Um, so just as a tool to, you know, bring conversations um, that, you know, you may have not ever thought to have. That's, That's such that, a great question. Do we have to orgasm every time we have sex? Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. Yeah, because like Dan Savage, for example, is always talking about let's stop having such goal-oriented sex or i mean goal being this one thing that it has to be you can have a completely yeah. different goal which is like this time i'm gonna show my partner a little bit of what i learned when i was touching myself and yeah. we're just gonna do it for 10 minutes before we go to dinner and then we're leaving <laughs> you yeah, know, like yeah. it can be whatever you want it to be um, yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that's great. I think conversation starters are wonderful. If you're shy, awkward, whatever it is, they can help. Yeah, right. exactly. I love it. So where can everybody find you online? I think it's CherylFagan.org. Yes, it's my yeah. website. And then Instagram, Cheryl Fagan. Yeah. Okay, cool. And I'll link everything below. So anyone who wants to start conversations with a partner, go pick up those cards and please follow Cheryl online. She always has great very stylish and beautiful little posts where you can actually Thank learn you. something and be visually stimulated at the same time um and that's it we love you all so much yeah. god bless yes